Welcome to the Lean Startup Company webcast series. I'm Heather McGough, co-founder of Lean Startup Company. We support entrepreneurs and corporate innovators across industries and around the world. Today's guests are Janice Semper, the culture leader at General Electric, and she'll be interviewed by our very own Marilyn Gorman, senior faculty with our corporate education program. Now, General Electric may be over a century old, Yet they command their position high on the Fortune 500 list as they bring together the physical and digital world. Today, we'll discuss their Lean Startup journey, which they call FastWorks, and how they made Lean Startup relevant in an industrial company with over 300,000 people in multiple industries across the world. The three things you'll walk away with from this webcast today include the importance of applying Lean Startup in building on each new learning opportunity, the value of leader engagement in the culture transformation, and finally, the role of the FastWorks coach in both team dynamics and learning. And with that, I'll hand it off to Marilyn and Janice. Hi, everybody. My name is Marilyn Gorman, and I'm a senior faculty member with the Lean Startup Company. I am so privileged today to be joined by Janice Semper, culture leader for GE. Uh, Janice and I have worked together on bringing Lean Startup, which is called FastWorks, into GE, and also on the performance development uh, transformation inside GE, which has really changed the way people think about how they work and think about their customers. So Janice, thank you so much for joining me today. Maybe yeah, my pleasure, Marilyn. Oh, it's wonderful to see you. Please, uh, could you start? Culture leader is a relatively yeah. new role inside GE. Perhaps you could just talk a little bit about that role that you fill. Sure. So, um, so by way of background, I've been with GE for 21 years, and it was about almost five years ago now that I started um, an effort of really how do we change GE? How do we reinvent the company to be successful in today's environment, um, which is one that I think is not like nothing we've ever seen in our lifetime, um, you know, being extremely volatile and uncertain and complex and ambiguous. And certainly GE um, was sort of working through what does that mean for a company of our size and scale in terms of how do we survive another 125 years? Um, so there was a lot of effort in the company to how do we really work better with our customers? How do we simplify what we do and have more impact with them? And how do we make it easier for our employees to work in this context and environment? So my role really evolved from that. Mm -hmm. um, it became a full-time, uh, fully dedicated role, both head, heart, and hands, um, <laughs> to helping to transform and reinvent and evolve GE's culture as the company was reinventing itself. So essentially, my role has been to help be a thought leader mm -hmm. um, and a lead architect in that transformation and, and to, uh, to help the organization, our leaders, through this as well as our employees. So, so that's pretty much what I've been doing for almost five years now. Yeah, it's, it's been quite a journey, I know. And uh, 
it's, it's been an exciting one as well. And, and I think a role that not many companies actually think about when they look at what it takes to change culture inside a company. But I want to go back because uh, I, I remember still working with you and you said, mm -hmm. Marilyn, please join my team. But we've got this program coming up. Yeah. I don't know much about it. It's called FastWorks. We've got some project teams coming in to work with this guy, Eric something or other. Uh, you yeah. Just make sure they've got a place to work and a place to sleep. Because uh, obviously I was working at GE's leadership school, Protonville at the time. And so Eric really started working with uh, GE and more particularly with the senior leadership team at the time in 2012. That's when it was launched, and that was when we started this iteration called FastWorks. And I believe it's the first time Eric had worked with a company the size yeah. of GE. I often tell people that when you read the Lean Startup book, you can tell that he hasn't yet had that experience with companies the size of a GE. So can you talk a little bit about the background to that partnership, and what was it in 2012 that you think made it the right time to start this FastWorks program? Yeah, I think, um, I think there was a couple of things that sort of led to that. Um, one was the fact that we had recently received our engagement survey from our employees and one of our lowest scoring items was around, uh, actually two of the lowest scoring items. One was around our employees telling us that we make it hard for our customers to work with us. Yeah. And the second item that was, the, that was really low scoring was, it's just hard to get things done as an employee of the company. And I think that was just a moment where, you know, we were, I think everybody was sort of taken aback in the company about, around that, including the senior most leaders of GE. Couple that with the environment that we were beginning to see, and in some places, actually our business is being disrupted. Mm -hmm. Um, and beginning to be disrupted. And luckily, I think we have some great curious leaders at GE um, who continuously look around corners mm -hmm. and understand what's coming towards us and what the trends are. Mm -hmm. um, and Beth Comstock, our chief innovation officer, is one of them. And Beth actually met Eric at his book signing. Ah. Um, and so with all of this in context, you know, she basically listened to him and met him mm -hmm. and said, well, I wonder if what Eric's talking about, even though it's very software related, if that would work in our environment where we're making big machines. You know, it seems that the concepts would, would be relevant. Mm -hmm. And it would help us get to how do we have more impact and make it easier for our customers to do business with us and how do we make it easier for our employees to get things done mm -hmm. and add the value that they want to add every day and feel good about that. So that was really the, the con initial connection point. Mm -hmm. um, and then we brought Eric in um, to talk to our top 200 leaders of the company. And I think, uh, jokingly, I think he said it was the first time he had put a suit on. Um, <laughs> so he showed up in a suit. Ironically, most of our leaders were not in a suit. Um, but, uh, you know, he kind of shared his thoughts um, about what this is. And, and I think there was initial skepticism mm -hmm. um, from many of the leaders about, well, that's fine, because it's software, but we make big, complex, 
machinery. Mm -hmm. um, so it's not quite apples to oranges, mm -hmm. but it intrigued a few people in the room, in addition to Beth, namely Jeff Emmelt, our chairman and CEO, who said, I think there might be something here. Mm -hmm. So let's try it. So I think that was the, the brilliant move is before we wholesale launch it across 300,000 people, mm -hmm. let's test it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's when you sort of came into the picture because we brought in various different teams into Crotonville, which is our leadership center. And these were MPI teams. They were process reengineering teams. They were enterprise um, teams. And we basically had Eric teach them the principles of Lean Startup, and then we coached them for a week. Yeah. Um, and then asked them at the end of the week, so what do you think? Is there any applicability? Does this make sense? Should we abandon this? Or do you think it has any relevance to GE? And each team came up and said, you know, there's something here. I mean, it was a really great way to work. Mm -hmm. It was super engaging. <laughs> It made so much sense because we were getting immediate customer reactions and feedback. Mm -hmm. So we were really able to focus and zero in on the efforts that mattered the most and were creating value for them versus mm -hmm. us creating stuff and, and going to them and they don't even necessarily want it. Yeah. And we could just work, so we got so much more done in that week. Yeah. So there was a lot that it wasn't perfect and we still had to sort of figure a lot of things out, but it was enough, I think, to start us to get going on, hey, maybe there's something here and how do we now think about bringing this into and making it relevant to an industrial company that is 300,000 people in multiple industries around the world. You know, it's interesting too uh, that you talk about, mentioned that the, in early days, the uh, initiative or the, the, um, the need came from customers and employees. Yeah. And it was talking about how it, it was hard to do business with GE or it was hard to get things done inside GE. That it wasn't about speed necessarily. Because a lot of companies I, I talk to often when they're looking at this way of working, they want to do things faster. Faster may be an outcome of simplicity. But it, it wasn't necessarily the first goal. Maybe, Janice, you could share the story about how the unicorn came to be a symbol of our team. Yeah, I mean, I think that, um, you know, the, the unicorn is something that uh, came from uh, another thought leader that we were working with at the time. And it was really about, you know, how do we... Um, you know, we, we at GE are very process oriented. Oh, yes. um, and a lot of times what would happen is, you know, we were also extremely compliance. Compliance is very, very important to us. And, and rightfully so. And many of the industries that we're in are highly regulated. Mm -hmm. But what happened is it became pervasive. Mm -hmm. So we approached everything with a risk profile and a compliance profile that really was de-risking everything to the nth degree. Mm -hmm. And, you know, one of the comments from one of our senior leaders, a few, probably about a year after we've introduced FastWorks into the company, um, he was sitting on a panel in front of this officer meeting our top 200 leaders again. And basically he made a comment that, you know, we put 
processes and milestones and toll gates in place. And we over engineer so many things Mm -hmm. that basically we're, you know, doing it to, you know, to, as if there's like, for the for unicorn, right? Yeah. Um, you know, for the unicorn, and the unicorn doesn't exist. So, um, so it, I think it was just a great sort of analogy to tell us and bring to life for us mm-hmm. how we often are working in a way that isn't on target, mm-hmm. um, isn't necessarily what our customers need, yeah. and it's actually. I think restricting mm-hmm. the value and the impact that GE can have with their customers. Yeah. And that's that unicorn became, as you know, our team mascot, uh, because for sure we were solving for the unicorn um, many, many times in the company. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, thank you for sharing that. I mean, in my mindset, it's about, you know, that GE was so many processes to prevent something happening as opposed to create Correct. the environment where innovation could happen. That's right. And so that's so now we're five years on. Yeah. And you've seen so much change and you've had a lot of to contribute to that change. What does it feel like in terms of the journey and, and how do you see FastWorks now working inside the businesses? What do you view as the successes of FastWorks? Yeah, and it really has been a journey. Um, you know, I think that it's been very I, I, you know, I use the term messy. Mm-hmm. Change is messy. Mm-hmm. And first of all, you have to embrace the messiness. Um, and I think the messiness is okay. Um, because when you really want people to adopt it, mm-hmm. people are going to come at it at different paces. Um, if you wanted a uniform, beautiful, controlled process you um, launch, you can certainly do that, but it's not going to sustain or stick because people are really just going through the motions. Mm-hmm. So we knew going into this that this was going to be messy, which made us uncomfortable um, at first, um, and that it was probably going to be a journey because of the level of really what we were asking the organization to, the magnitude of that, which is change your mindsets and change your behaviors. So where I would say we are five years into it, I think we, there are many proof points across the company mm-hmm. of products, solutions, services that we've been able to bring to our customers that have better met their needs and solved their pain points much faster. Fantastic. Whether it's in healthcare, mm-hmm. our healthcare business, or it's in our power business, or it's in our transportation business. I mean, there are many of those mm-hmm. stories. Mm-hmm. But the thing that I think that's most exciting about it, Marilyn, is that while NPI, new product introduction, is the most logical place where you would go, mm-hmm. the thing that we did a few years ago is we recognized that this way of working could actually be used throughout the entire company every day with no matter what you're doing. So no matter what role you have in the company, just starting every effort with who's the recipient of this work, who's my customer, Mm -hmm. what's important to them, um, what problem would this potential solution solve, what am I solving for, and how do I quickly test the solution? Mm -hmm. It's just a great way to work. 
And so we've been on an effort to really spread this way of working across the entire company. Mm-hmm. And what's amazing about it, while that's very large and daunting, mm-hmm. um, when you hear employees and they're, they tell their stories about what they're doing every day, how they're just working smarter, mm-hmm. um, that's where I think the traction and the excitement really comes in because we are fundamentally changing the way we work across the entire company. Yeah. You know, uh, I, we obviously, I was, when I was at GE, there, I was there when there were lots of materials and communications and videos, et cetera, being uh, built around it to help employees understand what FastWorks is all about. And, and the one phrase that even now still sticks in my mind is that FastWorks was about changing the way we worked by changing the way we think and act. Yeah. And I, I think it, all too often companies come in and say, just do it this way. Or come on, folks, be faster, be more innovative, be more this, be more that. And of course, employees don't understand what am I supposed to be doing differently? I already thought I was working as fast as I possibly could, or I yeah. already thought I was customer focused. So what I loved about FastWorks was that it really helped employees look at what they were doing and think about, am I really adding value? Yeah. Or is there something here I could stop doing because it's not adding any value? And then I can focus on other things. And I think that, that kind of gives us an opportunity to start thinking about how, you know, and, uh, you uh, and Tai GE, I know with FastWorks, we applied FastWorks to FastWorks. Yeah. We applied Lean yeah. Startup to Lean Startup. And I think one way also that was really impactful was around performance development. So, yeah. so many companies, as you well know, their view of GE is, starts with what used to be Rank and Yank or mm-hmm. Rapid Stack. Yeah, these performance management approach, not development at that time, but performance yeah. management. And so over the last, I guess it's almost four years now, yeah. we've been working also on PD at GE. So can you talk a little bit about how you first recognized that there was even a need to change that performance management approach and how you started to think about it as a fast works project? Yeah. And, and I think, um, you know, I think this also goes back, Marilyn, to your point about, you know, this isn't, if you truly want people to work in a different way, this is more than just training people on Lean Startup and saying we're done. Exactly. Because what you have to do is reinforce that mindset and those behaviors every single day. Mm-hmm. And what we started to hear from teams that were, we were incubating, if you will, a little bit in fast works and, and coaching them. And then they would go back into their business and we'd bring them back. And, and repeatedly, these teams kept talking about how our performance management system was, was really restricting them from working in a different way. Mm-hmm. Um, our historic performance management system was an annual process. Um, you set goals at the beginning of the year. Perhaps you had a conversation mid-year about those goals, and then you were evaluated against them at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. And yet we're teaching people to, first of all, identify what work you should be doing by first under talking to your customer and mm-hmm. versus internally what we think we should be doing. So there's the first disconnect. Mm-hmm. And as you're testing and learning to persevere or pivot, and yet 
our performance management system, which is the main process that drove employee behavior, didn't allow for that to happen. So it was just completely got out of sync. Mm -hmm. So that was the first big aha by just listening to our employees talk about it to say, I am learning that this solution potentially isn't going to um, be valuable to the customer, either create value or meet, have a pain, meet the pain point. Yet I'm being held accountable for this goal that was set. So guess what? I'm going to do the goal because I'm going to keep going. I'm not going to pivot. I'm going to persevere because this is what you're holding me accountable for yeah. and subsequently rewarding me for. Sure. So, so we ended up saying we've got to change this and, the best way for us to do it was to use FastWorks. I think, um, first of all, I was just a full believer that this was just a smart way to work. Mm -hmm. And then also what a great opportunity to showcase to the company how you work in this way and probably one of the most visible projects, if you will, or products um, or solutions that impact our employees. Mm. So the audience for this, our customers, was the entire organization and what a great way to engage them in this. Mm -hmm. so, um, so that's why we, we did it that way. And again, I was just a big proponent of it and felt like, hey, if, uh, if I'm asking everybody else to do it, the first thing I have to do is experience it myself. Mm -hmm. um, and I'll tell you, it, it was hard. Um, the, the challenge itself was hard, mm -hmm. let alone trying to do it in a way that I had never, and the team had never done it before. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I have flashbacks and many funny stories <laughs> of some of those early <laughs> sessions oh, yes. um, where we were designing simple tests mm -hmm. and burning bra brain cells at a, at a <laughs> clip that I don't even, even know was possible. Mm -hmm. um, and it was exhausting and hard. Mm -hmm. But in retrospect, it was an, an, an incredible experience. Mm -hmm. And we got to such a great solution for the company yeah. that if we had locked ourselves in a room Mm -hmm. and done it the traditional way mm -hmm. and then just launched it without even testing it, there's no way it would have had the impact that it, that it has today. Yeah. yeah. And we're still iterating it. Oh, yeah. We're still iterating it. I mean, I'm a product manager. I'm not the project leader. Mm -hmm. So I'm, we're still learning. Mm -hmm. and, um, and, and a lot of times people will say, well, when are you going to be done? And I'm like, probably never. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, you know, I think it was just, it just helped in so many ways. We got to a great solution, but along the way, it helped to just change mindsets and, uh, and obviously it's helping to drive behaviors in the company. Of course. And I, and I do remember those meetings that were heavily fueled with a combination of chocolate and donuts and, <laughs> and anything else yes. we could get our hands on at the time. Yes. Something that would keep us distracted and then also get us focused again. Um, you know, but this was really changing a, a, a legacy inside yeah. the company. And I'm sure there were some challenges at the senior leader level um, in understanding the need to even make a change where many of the senior leaders yeah. themselves had a 20 or 30 year history with the company. Are you able to share a little bit about what some of those conversations <laughs> were like? Yeah, so what I'll say is in the beginning, 
there wasn't much conversation. It was me talking. <laughs> and um, I was getting a lot of blank stares mm -hmm. um, from many of those leaders, as you said, Marilyn, who have grown up in our system. And, and you know, our legacy process was um, really served the company well at that period of time that we, you know, when we had it. Yeah. So to say your baby is ugly is a hard thing for any, uh, anybody to hear. Yeah. So what we had to do, I think, was, was set the stage and, and not give up after the first dialogue mm -hmm. to keep having those dialogues. Mm -hmm. And I think the way we were able to influence the senior leaders because we were testing mm -hmm. and learning was to go back with those learnings, those learning metrics. Yeah. Because what happened is the conversation switched from an emotional, academic, conceptual conversation to let's look at the data. Yeah. And then when you look at data in a company of engineers, that changes perspectives, it changes the conversation. Mm -hmm. There's a respect for what's happening because it's no longer um again just a it's it's no longer just an emotional conversation of course and it was qualitative and quantitative data mm -hmm. and i think continuously going back on a periodic almost a quarterly basis yeah. with what we were learning and the impact mm -hmm. and the value mm -hmm. and what it was what it was doing really helped our senior leaders the the second thing I would say is having a few of them experience it themselves and be in the early test groups. Yeah. Because what they could then do is talk to their peers about their own experience. Mm -hmm. it wasn't corporate or human resources or this Janice person. Mm -hmm. um, it was my peer, my colleague, who's also running a business. Mm -hmm who's sitting here telling their very real authentic story about what this is and what they're going through and what it's meant for their organization. Mm -hmm. And that began to have real impact. And then I stepped out of those dialogues and quite frankly, I let them talk to each other. Yeah. Um, and that I think then you just see the momentum sort of build. Yeah. But look, it's still hard and it's not mm -hmm. perfect. Of course. And I think one of our biggest one of the most hardest things, and you were there, that we had to do was put something out there that wasn't perfect. Mm -hmm. um, in an organization that prides itself on Six Sigma, and that was bold, I think, of our team to say, we're gonna put it out there, mm -hmm. and it's not perfect, but it's progress, and together we'll learn to make it better. Yeah. So, you know, um, I, 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 sorry, I, I know I'm interrupting you, but I remember that what people liked about the old EMS, it was called the old performance management system. To some extent, there was positive feedback. People liked its predictability. Yeah. It made it comfortable and easy. So could you talk a little bit about just even the testing approach towards uh, the new performance development process and, and how you started with small component tests and built it up and, and yeah. the launch. Yeah. So basically, you know, what we did is we looked at, um, we defined our customer groups to start mm -hmm. and our customer groups, we had three, our employees were a customer group. Mm -hmm. Our managers were a second customer group and our senior leaders 
who have really responsibility for the, the company and the strategy were a third customer group. And human resources, we determined, was not a customer group. They were an important enabler. Mm -hmm. So we started with defining who our customers were and then talking to them to find out what was most important to them, what would be a successful outcome of a new approach, what were their pain points with our old approach. So really um, understanding that, and then we defined our problem statements. We had three problem statements. And from there, we created um, really our hypotheses. They, they, they came in the form of design principles mm -hmm. uh, for the approach. And then we broke the approach down to the various different elements, and we did what we called component testing. So we tested not the full approach, but just elements of it mm -hmm. with small groups of employees and managers, mm -hmm. sometimes as few as 10 up to 100. Yeah. And we would test low-fidelity tests mm -hmm. um, for two to three weeks at a time, little sprints, and then we would either, we would do some really simple surveys and then we'd follow up and talk to them. Mm -hmm. And th those tests were so insightful to give us a sense for what worked and what didn't work and to validate and invalidate a lot of our assumptions. Um, and then from there, we did a um, we did what we call a wing to wing test. We essentially took about fifty five hundred employees in the company, we in various parts of the organization, and we took the a, the fourth quarter of a year and used it as a proxy for a full year. And we went in and basically taught the employees and the managers this new approach. So we did enablement sessions with them mm -hmm. and then we let them experience it mm -hmm. and we went back and we learned from them um, through surveys, through focus groups um, as to what was the impact, what was working, what was not working. Mm -hmm. And then the way we scaled it in the company was very, was very different than we would have in the past. Mm -hmm. Instead of then saying, okay, 5,500, get it, 300,000 are next. Um, <laughs> we basically just brought more, more and more cohorts yeah. on at a time. Yeah. Um, and we did that for several reasons. One, so we, continue, we could continue to learn and iterate. Mm -hmm. It was also a change management technique because what we wanted was each of our businesses to experience it with a group first, mm -hmm. understand what this is, and then scale it within their business mm -hmm. um, and you leverage that group that was their test group to help everybody else. Yeah. And we didn't dictate, we didn't say, you know, okay, you have to do it in a month. We basically said, we're going to do this over a two-year period. Mm -hmm. You determine, you own this, mm -hmm. you own the success of it. So you determine how, what te at what pace you're going to go as long as you get to this place by the end of um, 2016. Yeah. So it was lots of... Um, very different. Uh, as I said, I think it really put a lot of um, ownership mm -hmm. on our businesses. And while it also made people uncomfortable because they were sort of like, give me the answer and just tell me what you want me to do. Yeah. 
And we were sort of like, well, here's the intention and here's the outcome and here's the framework and mm-hmm. want you to figure out how to get what's best for you in the context of your business for how to get there. Yeah. But I think it was a great opportunity to, to create a pull as opposed Absolutely. to that people wanted to get engaged with it. I also think, and, and I talk yeah. a lot about this when I am working with other clients, and, and that is, to your credit, Janice, you showed, I think, great courage in that January of, I want to say it was 2015, maybe, um, when the company was saying, great, 5,000 people, all right, let's go. Um, and you, at that level of seniority, pushed back and said, that's not what's right. That's not what's right for the company. We still don't know, is it going to look different in Australia than it does in South Africa, than it does in China or Malaysia or whatever? And I think to some extent that also speaks to the idea of those small tests. I remember when we would get on some early coaching calls with Eric and he'd say, well, test with 10 people. (laughs) And we'd say, well, there were 200,000 customers. And he would say, hey, if it doesn't work for 10, it's not going to work for anybody else. And so, so often companies want to run at this hard. And as you talked about earlier, just say, let's go do it. But it needs to be tested every step of the way to truly be successful and to not, I I call it getting ahead of your skis, to making sure that people understand the behaviors and are in a place to adopt them. Now, I was privileged enough to be the FastWorks coach on that performance development team. And I know you've also seen coaches and worked with other coaches uh, for various FastWorks projects inside the company. So uh, perhaps you could talk a little bit about how you view the role of a lean startup or a FastWorks coach on a team. I know one of the things I'm often coaching teams on is that the coach is not the project leader. The coach is not doing the work. So could you talk a little bit about your experiences and what you've seen work and maybe what hasn't worked at times? Yeah, I think um, I think the coach's role for us um, in our journey um, has been it's been such an important role um, because what it allowed us to do was to have individuals right where the action is, mm-hmm. if you will, sitting with teams um, and and being there to provide insights or feedback on behaviors on helping them with the methodology and the tools and the principles and how to apply them. Mm-hmm. Also be a coach to the team members and often that project lead mm-hmm. with how do you have some of those tough conversations about, no, we're not going to go scale this yeah. um, when that's what your senior leaders are asking you to do. And how do you have that conversation um, and have the, you know, the courage or the confidence to be able to have that conversation. Mm-hmm. So I think they've played such an important role. I, I do think Marilyn, you know, we, in the beginning we had some issues with all of a sudden that FastWorks coach was viewed as the, the project leader. That's, and then we really had to sort of step back and say, wait a minute, that's not what this coach is there to do. Mm-hmm. So how do we make that clear and what, as to what the role is? And also teach the coaches that if they begin to find themselves in that situation, Absolutely. how do they untangle themselves from that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
So I think, um, and you, as you know, in many cases at GE, these were not full-time uh, dedicated resources either. Mm -hmm. um, we, have, we have a few today that, that are, but for the most part, the model was individuals that also had other roles in the company. So I think the, you know, the FastWorks coaches are the, I think in many cases, the, the objective person in the room who can really be providing those insights to that team, who can really help bring the team back when they, when they go down a traditional path, mm -hmm. um, to ask them great questions that then redirect their efforts and their energy not to do the work or to tell them what to do but to ask them which then gets them to think about it in a different way and process it themselves yeah. so you know i know that's a critical role that you played for us um you know you were a team member but you were also the fast works coach and and you were able to play both of those roles and switch both of those hats very efficiently. Not everybody can do that, but you were able to do it. And I think just so many times bring us back into, are we addicted to being right? Are we just, <laughs> you know, um, going quickly um, yeah. off of an assumption? Have we validated that assumption? Yeah. You know, have we even talked to enough to, to anybody about this? Mm -hmm. or are we just out in front of our skis too quickly on stuff? Yeah, I, which, by the way, is so easy to fall back into. Oh, like it's course. it's really easy. <laughs> of, course. of course. Oh no, absolutely. And and I feel that. Well, thank you first of all for the kind words. I I do think that one of the the real responsibilities of a coach is to ask the questions that others won't ask. Yeah. And and often because the coaches don't have skin in the game, they're able to ask those questions. That's right because they don't win or lose on the basis of what the answer is. It's That's about, right. It's about really prompting people to see where they're getting in their own way, to fall into maybe old organizational habits that really aren't going to serve them well and encourage them to think about what, how could they look at that situation, that customer group, those assumptions with a different perspective, be willing yep. to question everything they do. So, um, you know, it was, it was a privilege for me and my hair was on fire with everybody else's and I was a big uh, consumer of that chocolate and donuts too. <laughs> certainly not to my credit. Um, <laughs> but I know it was a great experience and certainly when Lean Startup uh, is so new in so many enterprises and certainly was yeah. new at GE and people are still learning about it as well, that often the training is not enough. And so it's the coach who helps yeah. people say, okay, you've been through three days. Now let's really dig into this. And yeah. make sure you can apply what you've learned to the work that you're yeah. doing right here, right and now. And just to, to build onto that, Marilyn, and, and we know this, the learning happens outside of the classroom. You know, the learning really happens when you're using it and you're applying it and you're struggling with it. Mm -hmm. um, that's where the learning takes place. And that's why the FastWorks coaches were so important because the training was awesome. And we, and we wanted to make sure that that was a great experience, mm -hmm. but where they were really learning is when they would go back and actually apply it. Yeah. Um, and that's where the, 
but you know, the questions would come up and the, mm-hmm. the um, barriers would come up and the stuff like that. But then how do you break through all of that? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I agree. It's, it's the real life. And so yeah. often that's where people become cynical too, because they will say, well, this sounds great in the classroom, but what happens when I go back to the, you know, air quotes, real world. And that's where the coach can be most impactful. Absolutely. So Janice, I know you've talked to a lot of outside companies about performance development, about fast works. We are certainly working with a lot of enterprises um, who are interested in bringing lean startup and scaling up. And you know that Eric's working hard on his next book, The Startup Way, which um, is about bringing lean startup into the enterprise. So, you know, if you've got some advice for these large enterprises who, who say, hey, we want to be just like GE, <laughs> because GE makes it look so easy. What, <laughs> what would be your advice? What, what do you think are the most, two or three most important things for them to consider when they think about starting yeah. uh, an approach to change? Well, first of all, I think recognize that this isn't easy, mm-hmm. yeah. but it's hugely rewarding and impactful mm-hmm. so in anything worth it i think in life you know is uh is worth working hard for Absolutely. Yeah. um so you have to be ready for the journey mm-hmm. and you have to be committed to it yeah. um because it's not something that you can do in a year it's not something that you could probably even do in two years um you've got to be you've got to be ready to say we're going to do this. And there's a level of commitment, especially from the senior most leaders of the company Mm -hmm. um, to do this. Mm -hmm. And that means everybody, including the senior most leaders being ready for a personal transformation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, So I think, first of all, understand what it is and commit and really be committed to it. Mm -hmm. First thing I would say, the second thing is, you know, you're, it's way more than just training. Mm-hmm. You know, you're really changing mindsets and behaviors. So what you have to do in addition to providing people with the tools is you've got to change and rewire the whole ecosystem in which they live. Mm-hmm. Um, because all of the things that around them have to reinforce this way of working. Mm-hmm. You have to be willing to look and redesign your performance management system. Um, you have to be willing to relook at your reward system. You have to be really re, uh, willing to relook at the role of a manager in the company because it changes. Um, you have to be willing to relook at your uh, business operating rhythm mm-hmm. and the way you fund mm-hmm. uh, your business models. So if you really want to maximize this, mm-hmm. uh, you really have to be able to say, we're going to potentially relook at everything. Now, you're not going to do it all at once because it's mm-hmm. just too much. Mm-hmm. But that willingness and that humility to say, you know what, there's a, there's a time and a place that those, the way we did things worked well, but now we're in a different place and mm-hmm. there are no sacred cows. You know, there is, everything has to be revisited. And maybe we'll keep some things, but maybe we won't. Sure. So there has to be that openness towards it. Then the third thing I would say is a lot of times this effort sits within the innovation organization. Mm-hmm. And I think what's been really powerful is the partnership between innovation and human resources. 
which we did really early on. Mm -hmm. um, it actually was born out of innovation initially, but very quickly I got pulled into it because we recognized that this is more than just a new tools kit for the company. Yeah. So many companies aren't doing it that way. Um, I'll go in with my co-founder, Viv Goldstein, who sits on the innovation side. And a lot of times I'm talking to the innovators and I'm the only HR person in the room. <laughs> and we basically say, um, you can really, you're going to have to figure out, either bring HR in as a partner right in the beginning or make sure that they're, they're in this because if you fundamentally want to change the way you work, you have to look at your talent processes in the company. You have to redefine and rebuild that, um, that culture. So I think that's the other thing that I would say to companies who seriously want to um, go down this path, that that partnership is really important. Yeah. You know, I talk about what Eric calls the startup way. I think you remember that triangle yeah. that has accountability at the bottom and then process people and culture. And when I talk to teams, you know, the idea of metrics, learning metrics, innovation accounting is not only about holding the project people accountable. It is also about holding the leaders accountable for how they support those teams. And I think that really speaks to what you're talking about. You know, you really, in my mind, have described what is in essence a change management approach to how you work. I'm not sure that's how Eric started thinking when he first yeah. wrote the Lean Startup, but I think that's been part of his journey as well. And I think what you've accomplished at GE has really been such a, a fantastic illustration of what it takes to bring all these disparate pieces together and into an integrated whole that will continue to evolve because yeah. everything else is evolving. Yeah. So, yes. yeah. Yeah. I think that's the other thing, Marilyn is, you know, you know, we're not, we're not done. And, you know, I've been fully dedicated to this for almost five years. I continue to be fully dedicated to it for however long it takes. And I think, you know, this isn't a side project, you know, this is um, something that I think, you know, Viv and I, um, as co-founders, like this is what our role has been in the company mm -hmm. for a number of years and continues to be. Yeah. So I think, you know, for especially a company the size and scale of GE, mm -hmm. you know, and I certainly agree with you that I don't think Eric even initially thought about that. Um, but, you know, if you think about what it takes to move something of this size and scale yeah it's uh it's it, it is there is a, an entire change approach that has to go behind it mm -hmm. and and to my mind and i i suspect to yours that's what makes it so much fun too that's oh my god it's um i have the best job in the company hands down <laughs> um and it is the most fun and the most rewarding part of my you know, long career with GE and before GE. Absolutely. Fantastic. Well, I think that is such a positive note to end on. So Janice, thank you so much for your time today. I know uh, I've appreciated talking to you and I'm sure that our listeners will get a lot from this session as well too. Thank you so much. Thanks so much, Marilyn, for uh, inviting me to have the conversation and to share all of our learnings. So, and good luck to everybody else out there who's uh, either in this uh, journey or about to embark on it. Thank you. Thanks, Janice and Marilyn. We hope everyone enjoyed our webcast. 
If your company is interested in learning more about bringing the entrepreneurial spirit to your large organization, visit us at leanstartup.co and click education or email education at leanstartup.co. Thank you.